the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate on AM 970, The Answer. I'm attorney Stephen Ebert, and today we've talked about a number of topics about the market, about people having issues trying to sell in a building with high maintenance, things to look for. And we have another caller, uh, Lee from Queens. Hi, Lee. Good morning. Lee, how are you guys? Thanks for taking my call today. Uh, You're welcome. I have friends in the disabled community, and I have a question Maybe some of us are interested in prehistoric home, you know, war homes that, that weren't even renovated for people with disabilities. Uh, are there any ADA compliant issues that people can run into when buying a house? Lee, thanks so much. It's, it's a great question and so many facets to this question. We have a lot of federal rules, but we also have state and local rules on making sure that residential real estate is accessible. The ADA that you referred to, which many people are aware of, the Americans with Disabilities Act, al- you know, allows and requires certain standards when it comes to real estate. And this is where we have to really start segmenting out the type of real estate. Is it a single-family home or a multifamily building? Is it a building under construction today or is it a historic home that you mentioned? Now, let's set out a few ground rules to think about so we can break this down further to see what the standards are and what people need to be uh, keeping in mind. So number one, one always has to be compliant with the rules in effect when a property is being built. So we could have a property built today in 2023. It's going to have one set of rules. But if you built a property 50 years ago, they're going to have fewer rules and not as stringent. So number one, it's very important when the property has been built. But Lee, it's also something else to keep in mind. If you do a significant, and I'm using that in quotes right now, a significant renovation to a property, then what might happen is that older property, it might be triggered to follow the current rules today. Now this gets to really the heart of the question of our historic homes that we have here in New York. And in New York, We have a few competing interests, right? We want to make sure that property is accessible. But also with some of these historic homes, a lot of them are landmarked in which we're limited to what we can do to the front, the facade of the building. Also, they're really stairs, and they're not necessarily ramp accessible. And also, without getting too technical on it, how steep are the stairs? How much room do you have from the front of the house to the sidewalk? Is it a property in the middle of the block, or is it on the side where you can somehow put in a ramp and go around? 
these are some of the questions and what does it mean to try to have a, quote, reasonable accommodation to the property? And there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to this. And this is something, though, that can really affect um, historic areas. And I've seen a lot of buildings, buildings that we've advised, where maybe they can't quite renovate and repurpose properties because doing so would be a substantial renovation that could make a difference and trigger in current new rules for accessibility that the building is not in a place to really upgrade to. So unfortunately, it's not a perfect answer, and this can be a real challenge for historic buildings. Um, so obviously, again, developers building new product have to make sure they comply with all the current rules. And again, we're talking about residential real estate. We're not talking about commercial when it comes to this question. Um, but in some cases, you know, it's a conforming use. Some cases that we're, we're not allowed to make those changes. And, and you've got to be really looking specifically at the property. And when you're having a real estate broker look for you, these are the kind of questions to ask up front. What's the access into the building? Is it a building with an elevator or not? Right? If you have a multifamily building, but it's only a couple of stories, they're not going to have it. Generally, once you start seeing a building of five stories or more is when you start seeing elevators widely in use um, for these historic pre-war buildings. Um, so there may have to be some compromises in finding the right kind of building that would suit the person's need. And, you know, this is a great question to look at even more broadly. Um, for any buyer who is looking at buying a property and then is thinking about undertaking a renovation, a lot of things can become apparent. For example, electric systems, right? When you have some of these beautiful historic buildings, they were built in a time before you had all the modern appliances, before you have all the technology. And, you know, on that topic, in the next hour, we're going to have Marlon Buchanan, who is an IT expert um, in the home and all the type of systems that you can have to make a smart home. And if you want to have that home be able to have those upgrades, you don't want to miss that segment, but also you want to keep in mind little things such as, does the apartment I want to buy have sufficient electric capacity to power up all these devices? And if they don't, do I have the ability to make the upgrade from the electric coming into the building to my apartment. You want to be careful and take a look at combinations. And that's such a big question that comes up. A lot of times people have the opportunity to put two apartments together. And how does that process work? And so many times when I'm representing a seller who bought a combined apartment, they didn't necessarily do the due diligence right on the way in when they bought the property. And now they have a lot of legal issues that have to be cleaned up. So what are the, some of the things to look at if you're a buyer who is either buying an apartment who's been combined or thinking of combining apartments to keep in mind? Number one, whether it's a co-op or a condo, you've got to make sure that the building is on board. Before you do any work, the building is going to want to investigate what you're doing to make sure it is safe for the building for the building systems, that they're not disturbed, right? If you think about it, you have water lines, you might have gas lines, moving electric around, 
You want to make sure it doesn't cause damage to the building. And also, you got to understand the rules, right? If you're combining two apartments, you might say, I have a great new layout, and I'm going to move the kitchen to where the living room was. Well, be mindful. Be careful. Some buildings don't let you put wet over dry. You can't put a kitchen or a bathroom over an area that's dry below because they're concerned about future leaks and damage. So you got to really understand the rules. And you need to have even a deeper understanding if you're doing a top-down, making a duplex apartment instead of a side-by-side because all of a sudden you're, op- you're making an opening into the floor plate of the building. So you're going to have to have the building architect on board. So you need to have a professional on your side who understands it and has good communication with the building management company and their architect. The next thing is, of course, you're going to have to get permits from the city department of buildings. And you're going to put your plans in to make sure that they sign off on it and they do their inspections along the way. And those inspections are also to protect you, to make sure that the electric wiring is done correctly, um, as just an example, making sure that you have the gas connections to the appliances done in a safe way not to have a leak. Very, very important to get those sign-offs. But here's where I start seeing the problems happen. The biggest one is just because you have the building approval, just because you have a permit from the New York City Department of Buildings, doesn't mean you finish the job. You have to make sure that the permits are closed out because if you don't do that, when you sell, the buyer side is likely going to pick that up in their due diligence and you're going to have a significant extra expense closing them out. We're an eye on real estate. We'll be right back. AM 970 The Answer is bringing Dr. Lederman's expertise in alternative cancer treatments to prime time every Monday night at 7. Dr. Lederman is triple board certified in radiation oncology, medical oncology, and internal medicine, and is the first physician to perform non-invasive body radiosurgery in the Western Hemisphere, treating thousands of patients covering nearly every size, site, and type of cancer, large and small, primary and metastatic. Listen to Dr. Lederman Monday night at 7 on AM 970 The Answer time is running out to join us in Israel this fall. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. Dennis Prager and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. We'll visit amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk the streets of Jerusalem, tracing back the steps of Jesus and His disciples float in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects, and visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you will always remember fondly. Our expert guides will help explain the significance of each and every site, and our food and accommodations are specifically designed with you in mind. No other trip will be like the Stand With Israel Tour. Sign up today to travel with Dennis and me this October. Call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519, or visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. Car payments, credit card payments, home loans, 
Man, that's a lot of debt for you to carry. Let us help you get caught up when you enter the $18,000 Get Caught Up Sweepstakes. The grand prize winner gets up to $10,000 in debt relief. Three first prize winners will get up to $1,000 in debt relief. And 10 second prize winners will get $500 in debt relief. That's $18,000 total. And that could be you. Go to am970theanswer.com to enter. That's am970theanswer.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pregatopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pregatopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Pregatopia Unlimited. Go to Pregatopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. On 9-11-2,970 people lost their lives. And today, 9-11-related illnesses continue to take lives. Yet an entire generation knows little to nothing about our nation's darkest day. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is righting this wrong by educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about 9-11 with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and background for teachers. A speaker's bureau for classrooms with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A mobile exhibit, a tractor trailer that's an interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts. And Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for the Children of Program Recipients. We must educate future generations. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. It's T, the number two, T.org. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate. I'm Stephen Ebert, and I'm pleased to have with us Marlon Buchanan, who is an IT expert. He has written numerous books and articles about the intersection of smart homes, about cybersecurity, and all the technology that you need to know to make your home interesting and innovative. His most recent book is on personal cybersecurity, but he has a whole number of texts, including the Smart Home Manual, How to Automate Your Home to Keep Your Family Entertained, Comfortable, and Safe. Marlon, thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad to be here, and I hope that I can give you guys all some good information. Great. I'll tell you, you know, I have, I have young kids, I have parents who visit, and I definitely want to keep them entertained, comfortable, and safe. And I, I end up being the one who spends a lot of time in the house trying to do that. But before we get into the different systems and the security settings and what to think about and making sure you have a strong enough signal, we've been talking about smart homes and technologies, and it's so hard to juggle 
different things. What what would you say best describes how to look at this? Well, I think the, the best way to look at it is that the smart home today is really just a regular home of the future. So you might as well learn it now. A couple examples are that people often get are like smart lights, lights that can turn on and turn off with like a voice command or lights that can change different colors or maybe a smart plug that you plug maybe a coffee maker into and you can schedule when it comes on. Um, smart thermostats, another popular one that can control the temperature just the way you want it without you doing anything. So it's really just a home that does more for you, with you uh, without you having to do anything. You know, one of the concerns that I have when going down this road is who to work with. You know, personally, I have an Android phone. My wife has an iPhone. You have Ring. You have Google. You have Nest. You have a whole bunch of providers out there. You know, how does one approach it and say, well, do I stick with, you know, one type of brand? Can I mix them up? You know, what are some of the compromises I have to make by doing that? What are some of the key things to think of before we start spending a lot of money to make these upgrades? So you've hit upon probably what's the biggest problem with smart homes today, and that's uh, figuring out what works well with what and, and basically what ecosystem you should be in. And it's really one of the first things you should look at when you're picking smart devices. So if you like Apple and you have an iPhone, there's probably a certain set of products you should get. You want to get something that says Apple Home Kit. But if you're uh, an Android person, then it's really more up to your personal preference. You may like things that are more uh, uh, that work better with Alexa or things that work better with Google Assistant. And the good thing is, is that a lot of the devices, when you look on the boxes or when you look on Amazon for them, they'll tell you which one of the ecosystems they work with. And for most people, I recommend you stick with a particular ecosystem. Now, if I can uh, talk a little bit longer, we're trying to fix that problem in the smart home world um, with the new standard that just came out at the end of last year called Matter. And what that's intended to do is that if it's Matter capable, it'll work with any of these ecosystems. But that's new and not a lot of products have that and it's still evolving, but that's the future where everything would just work and you don't have to know those things. So if somebody asks who's setting the standard and how do you see it labeled? Because one of the fears is, you know, you go to the store, right? You know, you know, when I buy a cell phone, you know, every year it's the next version and the next upgrade and the next something, you know, and, and with a cell phone, it's one product. It's sort of designed that way. It's okay. But if I'm making this investment, you know, it, it's going to come up a lot. What do we see about the matter standard? If you can just explain a little bit more and how is it labeled on the box? Well, it has its own logo and it actually says matter. And that's, that's how it's labeled on the box. It's pretty, it's pretty distinct. It'll just say it's matter uh, compatible or matter capable. And the standard is really, uh, you know, in some ways hard to believe, like all these different companies, including, you know, Google and Apple, they all came together to make this standard because they recognize this problem too. Um, uh, and so, uh, there aren't really a ton of products out there right now. There's like, and but you can go and find them um, in the stores. You can search for them. They're a little hard to get now because a lot of people have gotten them. A lot of them are out of stock. But I think over the next year, that'll change quite a bit. And then you won't really have to worry um, whether they work, uh, what works with your ecosystem and what doesn't. Great. What are the other concerns that people have is understanding what kind of information and what kind of security we're giving up. 
right? There's historically been a little bit of a trade-off between convenience and security, right? Traditionally, if I had a physical key for my lock, I knew who had the key. Now, of course, people could copy it. You could forget. People could break in in different ways. But one of the things I know that people are concerned about is that you have people with much greater expertise in technology. And when you sign up, and let's be honest here, you get these updates, people really don't read them, right? And this is a lawyer here where I always say read everything. The reality is the average consumer is just swiping down until they can click that button, accept, and have an upgrade. And information is put out there. Um, And then they want to say, oh, merge with your contacts. Allow us to access a camera. What are the things that consumers should be on the lookout? What are some of the defaults that are fair and reasonable to give access to the technology company providing the product versus things that we should say no to but can still make the product work as designed? Well, that's a that's a that's a very difficult question with a very complicated answer, and there's not a, no, there's no easy answers. Um, I think everybody is going to have a different comfort level. Like for some people, to have a voice assistant in their house, which is even a, even if it says it's not always sending what you say to the, to the cloud and saving it, it is always recording, and then it just actually acts on particular keywords. So you have to be comfortable with that. Um, and when you're looking at other devices, it really depends on the device, uh, what it can do, anything from security cameras to different apps that you install. It's, it's kind of hard to just pick a simple set of guidelines. So I'm a pretty security conscious person myself, and I'm, I may go a little too technical on this one, but one of the things you can do is start to get products that will work without having an internet connection. Um, like your voice assistants aren't going to do that, but you can have products that actually communicate with each other and will work just on your home network and not necessarily talk back and forth to the internet. And that makes them a bit safer. And I I don't want to keep harping on this, but the matter standard is actually designed to work locally and it's, and that is for security purposes. So although those devices can connect to the internet, they will work without connecting to the internet. The problem is, when you're not on your home network, you won't be able to control them. So, and that's what a lot of people get smart devices for. So if you want to control things remotely, you're gonna to have to accept a few more uh, privacy um, notices than if you want to just control it from your home network. That's a great point. Now, I wanna take a step back and make a comparison between people, let's say, living in a single family home in the suburbs and people living in a multifamily dwelling, a rental building, a co-op, a condo. And I want to get very specific to a question where even if you have a device that's not connected to the Internet, that's working on that local area network, are there things that we need to be on the lookout for, for maybe neighbors who could somehow intercept? And then, of course, basic security when it is Wi-Fi enabled on the network and what neighbors who are in close proximity, what we have to be on the lookout for and, and things to be mindful of. Sure. There's a, a couple of things to, to unpack there. So if you're on a network that's shared with someone, it could be your smart devices. You could be at Starbucks with your laptop. The advice I would give you is the same, and that's to, one, make sure you keep whatever devices you're using up to date because that will give them the latest security protocols. A lot of the updates that 
um, these devices are getting are, are for security. And I know nobody likes to keep things up to date. Everybody hates Windows updates, et cetera, but it actually does make things safer. Uh, the other thing is, if it, it is different if you're in a multi-dwelling and you have a Wi-Fi network than if you're at home. If you're in a multi-dwelling, your Wi-Fi network itself, if you have your own and then the apartment next to you has their own, and that means whoever's close to you can actually see and, act and has the potential to access your Wi-Fi network. So you got to make sure that you've got a good uh security password for your Wi-Fi network that you're using the later security protocols like WPA2 or WPA3. And, uh, you know, if you want to get even more technical, you could actually, if you're in an apartment, you might even want to turn down the power of your Wi-Fi signal so that it doesn't go so far and have other people who can access it. And that how you do that is different for each each router, but that's something else you could also look into. Great point. Now, one other thing I want to talk about, and I know we're more of a real estate show than a tech show, but these are so many wonderful points that are so helpful to our listenership, is the new Wi-Fi standard. Now, I have at home my own router. It's a mesh system where we have multiple satellites for a bigger boost and stronger signal. But I see a lot advertised Wi-Fi 6, this new standard. What's different about it, and is it something that people should consider, and do they need if they're making all these upgrades? Uh, sure, yeah. So this is the way I think of Wi-Fi 6. First, I'll talk about what's different about it. So, you know, what most people have is either Wi-Fi 4 or Wi-Fi 5, and before they started calling them 4 and 5, that would have been uh, G or N Wi-Fi or AC Wi-Fi would be Wi-Fi 5. And then six is just the next generation. So they decided to make it simpler and just call them four, five, six. Um, what you get with Wi-Fi six is obviously you get faster speeds. Each generation of Wi-Fi is faster. You also get the ability to have more devices in a congested area that will still work well. So um, if you start having a lot of Wi-Fi devices on your network, it'll actually eventually just start slowing everything down. But Wi-Fi 6 gives you the ability to have more of those devices and keep a high speed on most of them. Now, the problem with Wi-Fi 6 is... Can I just interrupt you actually, on that one point oh, for sure, a second? Go ahead. Because I, I have some young kids, and during COVID, the kids were at home, I was from home, and that was one of the reasons I changed my Wi-Fi, because it basically cried uncle and gets collapsed regularly. Uh, gets the sheer number of devices. And, and this is very important if there's a lot of users. Are you, a, you know, what are, I, I'd like to, if you can talk also about multiple users too, and if you can actually preference devices and for people who are really having a lot of mobile devices and maybe ring lighting and, and alarm systems and things like that, all of a sudden you think you only have a few items and you end up having 30, 40 items on your network. Yep. Um, you know, just how to approach that as well. Sure. So uh, Wi-Fi 6 is one way because it can hold, it can, it can handle more simultaneous devices at once and, and maintain the speed. The problem with Wi-Fi 6, of course, is that your device, you, you have to have a router or an access point that supports Wi-Fi 6, but you actually won't get the advantage of it unless your devices that are connecting to it also support Wi-Fi 6. So it's not the best because only the newer devices support that. It won't help you with older devices at all. 
Um, so what you can do is if you start to have more devices is you can, there are a couple of different ways to do it. You, you mentioned you have a mesh system. That's great for most people because you could just add another satellite or you could just move a satellite maybe in a better location. It's easy to expand your, uh, the, the capacity of your Wi-Fi system. Another way to do it if you don't have a, a mesh system is that you can actually buy what's called a, a Wi-Fi access point. Uh, most people use their router to generate the Wi-Fi for their home, but if you've got a larger home and you don't have a mesh system, you've got a lot of devices, a Wi-Fi access point basically just plugs into your network in a different location in your home than the router and then broadcast the Wi-Fi signal there. And then devices that connect to that access point don't take up the bandwidth, uh, the same bandwidth as the ones that are connecting to your router. So it basically gives you the ability to have more devices on your network. So now turning this back to real estate, I'd like to imagine the following scenario. I'm sitting down with a client. They're looking to buy a home and we're told it has a lot of smart upgrades. What are some of the things that I need to keep in mind as the buyer's lawyer and the buyer themselves to make sure what equipment has to stay to make it work? Um, and, and what do we need to be careful of on getting information on the products and passwords so that way when the buyer becomes the owner and moves in, the stuff actually works for them too? Yeah, that, that is another great question. So uh, smart home devices can be great, um, but if you don't know how they work or, they ha or how they're configured, it can be a headache if you're moving into a new home. So I think you, you hit upon exactly all the key things you need to figure out. You need to insist that the, the seller, uh, I think, resets all of the different devices so that they're not locked into their accounts and locked in with their passwords and username. They should be at basically factory default so you can set them up how you want to and add them to your account. You, uh, preferably, it would be great to get documentation of what all they are. You can't always see all the devices that are smart or can't always tell that they're smart. There are things they can install, install behind light switches or in other places that could actually be smart and you may not even know that they're there. Um, so you wanna get documentation of all the items that are there. Uh, and then uh, some things you wanna be wary about. I'd be a little wary about security cameras that were left. I actually would, um, I, I would need some extra proof that they're not still connected and, and don't have credentials where someone can access them, especially if they're um, in, in sensitive areas. But honestly, uh, you wanna know the brands and make sure they're gonna work with the ecosystem that you're gonna work with. Otherwise, they may even not be worth it to you. You may want them to take them and put it back the way it was before it was smart because some things aren't worth the hassle. You're gonna wanna bring in your own smart devices anyway. So those are some of the things I think you'd, you'd wanna look into about the devices that are already there. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to add one more device that people overlook, and that's automatic garage door openers, the, the motors. Some of them now have cameras built in with them. And, you know, it's one thing to have a, a, a camera that you can just take out that, and replace as part of a system, but you're not going to want to just change out a garage door motor because it has a camera in it. So for people who are buying a home with that, be mindful of some of the cameras that are built in as part of the other devices as well, not just a standalone camera. Now, instead of a resale, I want to take you to a different spot. Let's say you were building your own home. 
right? You were buying a new development home and you were talking to the developer and they said, okay, you'd like a smart home? No problem. Tell me what you like and I'll build it for you. How do we answer that question? Because sometimes when you're given such an option, you don't even know where to begin. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about what would I do if I were buying a new construction home? What would I tell them? Um, just as a story, the current home I live in, I, it wasn't new, completely new construction. It was in progress. And when I finally put down the, uh, when I finally became, when I put, had the offer accepted, I had one day to, to ask for any upgrades because they were already doing the wiring and everything. So I didn't have enough time to think about it. So now I think about that a lot. And the first thing I would tell people to do is make sure you have, it seems old school because everybody's about wireless, is actually make sure you have good wired ethernet to all the rooms, even rooms you think you may not even need a connection to. I would recommend you do that with at least cat six cable um, because uh, there are a lot of things that'll work better wire with wire, wire connections. And if you start to get a lot of wireless things, as we mentioned earlier, um, you can take off some of the load by making some of them wire, the things that don't need to move around. And really the key to a great smart home is a good network because if things are dropping off the network, your smart home doesn't work consistently, you're gonna be really frustrated. So the first thing I would tell people to do is to make sure it has a good network, which with um, cables going to all the different rooms, have a good network switch, wherever it's gonna be a structured wiring closet or cable uh, some, or room somewhere where you can control things. If you're building it, you just wanna build it with a great infrastructure because it's a lot cheaper to install wires when the home is being built than after it's been built. You know, also on that, um, oh, one other thing on that on that point, what about outdoors? You know, sometimes for larger homes, they might have a pool area, let's say, and now all of a sudden, even if the house itself has a good Wi-Fi signal, you start getting 20, 30, 40 feet, 50 feet away from the house, and all of a sudden you have this other area. What can you do to make sure that that area is covered as well with the signal? I would run Ethernet there too, and then look for and then design a good place to put a Wi-Fi access point there. I think one of the ways, a good way to look at it is if if you if it's any place where you th- like if you're going to have a pool or a play shed or something, you're going to probably run electricity there to run a pump or to run lighting or something like that. I would look at it as any place you're going to run electricity, you should also consider running a network connection. Um, and uh, that will help you out with that particular problem. Great. Now, going back to our original problem, what do I do? I got the kids over, the grandparents are over. How do I sort of manage the technology with different levels of understanding? Is there a way to make some things that's a little simpler, yet at the same time keep the controls uh, on the other folks in the house? What should I keep in mind? Um, I think I, I may need a, a little bit more information for you. What kinds of controls are you talking about? You're just talking about the devices they look, they use, or well, try to make um, it like, user friendly for maybe people aren't as tech savvy. People are visitors. Right. At the same time, you want to make sure if you want to have the kids limit their screen time hours or not go to certain sites. How do you sort of balance that different user uh, that you might have coming by by the house? Sure, you, you can get uh, pretty technical with uh, what 
what different devices can access. I'll, I'll probably address that one last. I think uh, when you're talking about multi-generational households or, or people using different devices, you have to think about the different profiles and what people are mostly going to use. Um, if you're talking about the TV and entertainment system, um, sure, you can have voice control, but it's hard for people who aren't always at your house to know what the voice commands are. So uh, universal remotes are still good for those kinds of things. If you're talking about what sites people can access, you can actually, with a lot of the modern routers, you can actually set up actually completely different Wi-Fi networks that have access that you can control different, uh, which different sites they can go to. You can also get devices or you can, um, that will also control what different websites uh, even like, so you can set your kids' devices in a particular zone and those zones can't access uh, sites that you don't want them to have. And then you can have other people's devices in a different zone and they can access whatever they want. That, you can you also know, Marlon, control that, how that much is, of their internet access they can have. That, that has been really helpful. And we're running towards the end of our segment, but sure. this has been terrific and so much valuable information. Ladies and gentlemen, with Marlon Buchanan, um, the author of the Smart Home Manual, How to Automate Your Home to Keep Your Family Entertained, Comfortable, and Safe, a personal cybersecurity expert. And you should definitely check out his Home Tech Hacker Academy to give you more details to work on this valuable information. Marlon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We'll be right back. Mike Lendell and MyPillow are launching the new MyPillow 2.0 with a special buy one, get one free offer. The MyPillow 2.0 offers a brand new temperature regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. The new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a, a cooler surface temperature. MyPillow knows core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. The new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. Machine washable and dryable with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee and made in the USA. Just go to the radio listeners page at MyPillow.com, use the promo code AM970 or call 800-651-0798 800-651-0798 Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on the new MyPillow 2.0 800 Hi, it's Joe Piscopo for Perillo Tours. Did I tell you I'm going to Rome and Sicily this year with my friend Steve Perillo? Hey, you want to go? It's simple. You just call 800-431-1515 and say, I want to go to Apollonia's hometown with Joey. Make it happen, baby. How does that sound? Rome, three nights, including a special intimate performance by yours truly. Then we fly directly to Sicily, visiting Catania, Taormina, Palermo, some medieval towns like Savoca and Forza d'Agro in Messina. Why? Because we're going to visit some iconic sites from famous Godfather scenes. How cool is that? Can't leave Sicily until you have a wine tasting in the shadow of Mount Etna. We will do that too. Then on to Palermo for three more nights. Call Perillo Tours at 800-431-1515, 800-431-1515, or visit please PerilloTours.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. 
Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, Google Salem Surround New York. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. Time is running out to join us in Israel this fall. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. Dennis Prager and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. We'll visit amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk the streets of Jerusalem, tracing back the steps of Jesus and his disciples float in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects, and visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you will always remember fondly. Our expert guides will help explain the significance of each and every site, and our food and accommodations are specifically designed with you in mind. No other trip will be like the Stand With Israel Tour. Sign up today to travel with Dennis and me this October. Call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519, or visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. Want to listen to AM 970 The Answer on the go? There's an app for that. Download our free smartphone app so you can listen to all your favorite shows, keep up with us on social media, enter contests, win prizes, and even interact with our hosts all in one place. Just search AM 970 The Answer in the iPhone App Store or the Google Play Store for the Android. Again, search AM 970 The Answer and download our smartphone app today. That way, you can take us wherever you go. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate on AM 970, The Answer. I'm your host today, attorney Stephen Ebert, and I'm talking about the concerns that Lee had, our prior caller from Queens, when talking about what the standards are. The standards in effect is when you get those permits signed off on. So if I started a renovation in the 1990s and did the work but never closed it out, and I want to close out that permit in 2023 today, well, New York City is going to apply the 2023 standard and not the 1990 standard that was in effect when I did the work. And it might be that work that was okay in 1990 might not be okay today. So it is very important that the permits are closed out. Now, New York City passed a special rule which allows people who combine apartments to not get a new certificate of occupancy or CO for the entire building, right? If you think about it for a minute, your work, if you're combining two apartments, is connected right there. But you might be in a building with a couple of hundred, a couple of hundred other apartments. And what if they have violations or what if they have open permits, then you won't be able to get your final CO. The good news is that the building departments created a special exception when you combine apartments, and it's called a letter of completion. It's very important when you combine apartments, you get that letter of completion, and you don't let your professional team, your builder, your contractor, your architect, 
finish the job without that because the job is not done. And that is the document that says that the building's department said all the work that you did to combine these two apartments were done properly and fully. If you have that, you're in good shape. But there's one more step that you need to be mindful of if you're combining condo apartments, which you don't have when you combine co-op apartments. And the reason is, in a co-op, there's only one tax lot for the entire building. Right as we discussed other times on the show, your maintenance that you pay to your co-op, your property taxes are included in that payment. But that's not the case in a condominium. In a condominium, you get a separate property tax bill. And so what happens is even if you physically combine the two apartments, even if you have that letter of completion from the Department of Buildings, even if the building says everything done, there's one more step. And that's amending the condominium declaration so that the two apartments are one tax lot. Now, this is a very important step for a few reasons. Number one is that you didn't do the last step. You want to make sure you do a complete job. The second one is it can cost you money if you don't combine it. You can only have one primary residence under the tax code. And technically, the two apartments, even if they're physically one, are considered separate tax lots. Under New York City law, there are certain tax savings that you can get on your primary residence. People might know about the STAR program, which you get an abatement on your taxes because of school taxes. But New York City has an abatement program where you can save 17.5% off your property taxes if it's your primary residence. It's a great program. Here's the problem. If your combined apartment are two separate tax lots, you lose that tax savings of 17.5% each and every year for when you don't combine those tax lots. So you're leaving money on the table. You're paying higher property taxes unnecessarily. So it's very important that you have the professional team to make sure that they get that all done together for you. You talk with your attorney. You talk with building management. So get that letter of completion. And if you're combining apartments in a condominium, you get also, you combine it to one tax lot. Very important so you put that all together. But, you know, going back for a second, if you're a buyer, how do you really know that everything was done correctly? Sometimes in our multifamily buildings of co-ops and condos, or a lot of times, people don't get a home inspection. So it's absolutely critical to try to get the right information to see the, how the work was done so you make sure you're getting the benefit of that bargain so you don't have an issue during the course of your home ownership and you don't have an issue when you sell. You also want to be very careful because a lot of times people don't read the renovation contracts that they have with contractors. When do you make those payments? Do you pay everything up front? Do you pay it at the end? Or you make staggered payments along the way? A lot of times also buildings have rules about insurance. And most importantly, the job has to be completed in a certain amount of time. Some buildings have a rule that they'll actually issue you a financial penalty if your contractor takes too long to do the job. Who should bear that financial responsibility? You 
or the contractor. Either way, it's got to be negotiated in the agreement that you have with your contractor to make sure you're protected. What about how the money flows? Right, you're dealing with a contractor, but they might have specific subcontractors doing certain jobs for you. How are they paid? What if they're not paid? Somebody goes bankrupt. Who's buying the supplies and where are they stored during the course of the renovation? Again, very important questions, and you should consult with your attorney to make sure these ideas are contemplated and that you're protected when you're doing these renovations. The other thing, and so many times we have an insurance expert on the show. Last week, um, we had Peter Conti from uh, Honig Conti Insurance, and making sure you talk to your insurance agent before you undertake a renovation. And I know it gets complicated here because when you think about all the insurances, the building has a master insurance policy. Your contractor is licensed and insured, and they probably have workman's compensation too. And you're like, well, I have my homeowner's insurance. Well, hold on a second. A lot of time in the fine print on your homeowner's insurance policy, it will say if this is your primary residence. If your home becomes a construction zone, they expect you to tell them, and they might temporarily alter your policy, including, unfortunately, the premium associated with that, to make sure you're covered. Because what if a fire starts because of your contractor? Who's responsible? How are you covered and what's covered? How these points all interact with one another is so fundamentally important because you don't want to have a lapse in coverage, you don't want to be unprotected, and you want to make sure that everything is done right, and you just don't want to have a hassle. So, again, to keep in mind, to recap, when you're going to do a renovation, make sure you have a licensed-insured contractor. They're approved by your building. They monitor the process appropriately. They're on-site. Supplies are managed. You see that subcontractors are taken care of. You have the right kind of insurance to make sure that there's no lapses or problems. And make sure you really think ahead at the kind of renovations that you want to have. If you're in an older historic building, it could be very strong with great materials, but that might destroy your Wi-Fi signal. When we come, when we come back later on in the show, when we have our, our cyber and home technology expert, we're going to talk about the different Wi-Fi systems that are out there, and maybe there are certain plans and upgrades that you can make before you do the construction, which is always cheaper, as opposed to trying to fix it after the fact. All very important things when we're talking about value and accessibility. Now, when you're combining apartments, there was one thing that we really didn't talk about, which we should. How to negotiate with the building to get more space, right? In New York City, there's such a premium on space, but when we combine apartments, can you actually even get more space? Sometimes for clients, for example, we'll see two apartments at the end of the hallway and we'll actually negotiate with the building to buy some corridor space to have one entrance door instead of two and they're actually able to buy from the building a portion of the hallway 
to even add more space to their apartment. Well, how do we do this and when should we do it? Number one, you should always have an attorney and have that conversation before you sign any contract that makes you financially obliged to pursue that renovation. Number two, there's a few different ways to negotiate with your building. When you buy that hallway space, are you increasing the number of shares? Are you increasing the percent common elements? And does that mean you're paying a higher monthly fee for so long as you own the property? Or are you paying them a flat dollar amount? And if you do that, do you need to get a new stock and lease in in the co-op? And do you need to refinance with your lender? These are serious questions that you have to consider, but it's also a great opportunity. So there's a lot of moving parts when you do a renovation. There's an opportunity there, and you gotta make sure that you manage the mortgage, the insurance, and also make sure everything is closed out. So for people who are renovated, make sure you consult with your team because you wanna make sure that your renovation works out well and you enjoy it for many years to come. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. The pre- Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.